Welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. I am Jacob Barr, and today I am joined by my pastor, Pastor Eric Seepin, and also Father Frank Pavone. In this episode, we're going to try something new. This episode is built on the concept of a pastor and a priest, where we have a pastor and a priest sharing a dialogue and conversation about pro-life topics, and we're going to focus on the 80% of common ground that pastors and priests share, and we're going to avoid the divisive topics that pastors and priests may be on different postures on. And, and eventually, maybe after three of these pastor and priest um, episodes, then we're going to bring in that 20%, possibly at the 20% level. But for the first three episodes, the plan is to focus on the 80% of common ground and really just to hear a pastor and a priest reflect on the same uh, topic or piece in a civil and friendly and loving, uh, Jesus-following manner. And we're essentially going to get to listen in as they dialogue in this space. So, Pastor Eric and Father Frank Pavone, I'm excited to have you on the, the Pro-Life Team podcast. Um, Pastor Eric, would you introduce yourself for those who may not know you? Um, is that you're speaking to a small group of Pricey Clinic uh, executive directors? <laughs> sure. Well, you, you already introduced me. My name is uh, Pastor Eric, first name Pastor. Second name Eric, <laughs> or as the kids call me at church, church, because they show up in church and there I am. So I'm church. Uh, but yeah, I, we're in Tucson, Arizona, and I've been a pastor of the Village Church for 20 plus years. I helped start it with my co-pastor Rod, who just retired today. Today is his retirement. So yeah. Um, and actually, I'll, I'll end your introduction by saying the reason why I'm doing this podcast and this episode is somewhat based on one of your podcasts, which is which is two pastors sitting down discussing ideas uh, over breakfast. Yeah, uh, called bait over breakfast. I do have I have yeah. a number of podcasts that I do. Yeah, and that's one of them. And then yeah. yeah, and I was thinking. Yeah, two pastors sitting down. Well, this and here we are. We have a pastor and a priest sitting down. Um, one at nine a.m., one at noon. <laughs> and so, so it's sort of hard to do breakfast or virtual breakfast. But so yeah, so Father Frank, and many people know who you are who are listening. But would you introduce yourself as if you were talking to a small group of Princeton Clinic leadership team? Absolutely. Yes. Thanks. Uh, thanks, uh, Jacob, and, and good to be with you, Pastor Eric, and yeah, brothers and sisters. Uh, I'm a Catholic priest. Uh, Father Frank Pavone, I was ordained in New York back in 1988, uh, but I've always had a passion for the pro-life cause. And after a few years of ministry in the parish, which I enjoyed very much, I asked and received permission to devote my ministry full-time to saving the unborn from abortion, uh, to helping uh, churches to reach out and educate and also uh, serve the moms, the dads who feel they, they could not handle a child and may be tempted to abort. I help the churches step up to the plate to provide those alternatives to abortion in partnership with the Pregnancy Center movement. Also help people to heal from the wounds of abortion. 
So long story short, in 1993, I began this work as full-time national director of a ministry called Priests for Life. But it's not just for priests and it's not just for Catholics. It's for anyone who wants to help end abortion. Uh, we've been doing that ever since. And uh, this is a, a meaningful conversation and opportunity for me because uh, the, 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 the fact is that the pro-life movement embraces the entire body of Christ. And, and in the course of my work in this movement, uh, that's been one of the most uh, enjoyable uh, blessings of the whole thing. Is that uh, this this uh, this issue brings uh, Christians together and brings God's people uh, together in this uh, in this fight? And today's just another manifestation of exactly that. Yeah, and that's actually sort of what I was hoping for in this podcast, which would be to focus on well the common ground between uh, evangelicals and Catholics. And so, a majority of what I'd like to have this podcast. You know, you know, it's time be spent as on common beliefs more so than like disagreements, which is only a minority. But usually, those minorities end up usually uh, becoming like the primary topic of many conversations. But the eighty percent that we have that's common ground, I think, would be very, um, you know, it makes a lot of sense for us to focus on what we do share and you know the bridge that we have between different. Uh, churches, different denominations, different uh, groups. And so I'd like to yeah, try and focus on the bridge more so than the differences, perhaps. Um, so I think we could start off by reflecting on Psalms 139. I wasn't sure if we should... Oh, is it okay, Pastor? <laughs> so your eyes... No, yeah. that's good. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, talk about Psalms 139. And we could read through it, or we could just talk about it. What would the what would you guys prefer? You should read it. Okay. All right. That would be my vote. Okay. <laughs> we'll make we'll make you do it. All right. Um, Psalms one thirty nine. So to the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. <clears throat> if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night it is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you, what I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book 
were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God! O men of blood, depart from me! They speak against you with malice, malice intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Amen. So, Father Frank, what are your thoughts on this passage? You know, it's no surprise, of course, that you chose this psalm. It's it's one of the favorites among pro-life uh, people. Uh, it talks about the development of the baby in the womb. Um, and, and despite, however, the fact that this psalm is so often quoted in a pro-life context, I think it's appropriate just to start by, by taking a step back and realizing that when we talk about pro-life and the scriptures, it, it, even more important than the finding particular passages where it does talk about the child in the womb is to see the overall themes of scripture, the dominion of God over human life, the blessing of children, uh, the reality of justice, you know, intervening to save the helpless like God did for his people of old, as he does for us in Jesus Christ. We cannot save ourselves. We need a savior. Uh, the, this idea of intervening for the helpless, the, the teachings about caring for the poor and the weak and the outcast, and Jesus breaking down false barriers that people placed between uh, different groups of people in society. Jesus went for those on the outskirts, on the fringes of society, and we see how, how the unborn are marginalized in a similar way. The victory of life over death, the victory of love over hatred and exclusion. All of these biblical themes feed our pro-life convictions. This psalm in particular does so, not only because it talks so beautifully about the development and God's work in forming the unborn child, but also you notice it's talking about Hey, Lord, you know everything about me. You are wherever I go. And, I mean, you see right through me, is another way of saying what the psalmist is saying here. To me, that counteracts this notion that we see among those who are adamantly promoting abortion. I know I'm not talking about the women who are confused and, you know, go and get an abortion. We, we have done nothing but compassion for them. Uh, but the people who are like animally promoting this as a cause, they're saying just the opposite of what this psalm says. They're saying, my life is mine. It's my right. It's my choice. I know what I'm doing. I have my reasons, you know. And, and the psalmist here is saying, hey, Lord, you know me better than I know myself. Test me. And if there's anything wrong in me, Lord, you be the judge. It's exactly the opposite of this adamant, you know, my body, my rights, my choice kind of mentality. So those are some of my um, my thoughts about the psalm. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you, Father Frank. Pastor Eric, how would you reflect on this psalm um, in, the, in, in, in light of abortion and life and things like that? <clears throat> well, I think there are two interesting 
things. And, and I would just agree with Pastor Frank that the themes that come out of this, you know, uh, yes, it's a very popular pro-life passage, but also just the beautiful themes of God being in control and God knowing. And when you are in the position of caring for people who are in trouble and standing between injustice and the weak, you sometimes feel like you're the one fighting and it's up to you. But, but I, I think we sometimes end up thinking that, um, we we're it, we're the ones. And I think that's really important here is that God knows everything, all the details. And, and I, I think that that's really fascinating to me because sometimes we believe that if we don't do it, everything will fall apart. And God doesn't really know when we're fighting this battle that seems overwhelming. And I think this, this passage really clarifies and says, no, he's not just intricately involved in those who are suffering. He's intricately involved in all of our lives and knows us deeply. Um, and he knows the people and he put them together. Even those who are committing injustice, he made them and he formed them and he cares about them. Um, and so that, I think that's a powerful part of this. I think the other part that, that, you know, sometimes we forget or we gloss over is this, like, you know, the bloodthirsty, you know, they should go away from me. And, and the people that we are, you know, that Pastor Frank or Father Frank was describing, you know, it's disturbing what is happening in our culture and it's disturbing the way people are talking. And what's interesting here is that David has a special position as a king who is saying, no, like this is injustice in my, in my country. This cannot be go away from me. Um, and yet what's interesting is that you go into the New Testament and Paul starts talking about, oh, our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemy is the evil behind these people and the, the, the themes and the powers and the spiritual forces that are pushing hard on our country. And, and when you think about abortion in particular, um, it's this... I mean, it's, it is like this very much a, a, a cleaned up, sanctified, you know, sacrifice to Baal and that we have, that, that, that doesn't look as, as terrible in our, our modern minds as a place with an altar where people are stabbing babies was, you know, and cutting them up and sacrificing them to idols. Like, we don't have that, but that's what's going on. And so it's this, um, so when you read just how detailed God's involvement in our making, and I think here in some ways, David is looking back at Adam and how God formed Adam in the depths and how he, he, he created him intricately and, and saying that way that he spent on Adam, he spends on all of us like that. This, this, we matter. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful thing. And then I love how he just says, Hey God, you know, everything. And Oh, by the way, search me. Cause I don't know everything even about me. <laughs> I think that's a, a really interesting kind of thing that's happening there. So yeah, those are my thoughts on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, um, 
to follow Frank, any any thoughts after hearing what Pastor Eric mentioned? Or oh, fantastic, Pastor Eric. Thank you for that. And you know, I I I've always said for many years that we need more uh, ministers of of God being willing to say, you know, this is what we see in the Old Testament with the sacrifices to Baal. You know, as you as you pointed out, as you well know, you know that shedding of innocent blood uh, in the days of old is what ultimately brought about. Of the exile and, and, and God's people were taken away from their own land because they soiled that land with the blood of the innocent. And we read about this, um, sacrificing their sons and daughters to demons. Uh, God hates the shedding of innocent blood. And, and when innocent blood is shed on the land, um, all the people on the land have to answer for it. So we go back to the beginning, the first bloodshed, Cain kills Abel. And Abel, although now unable to speak, nevertheless, his blood speaks, cries out from the ground. And God hears it, and God goes to Cain, where's your brother? Where is he? And and then, you know, you continue reading on in the the Old Testament, and I always point out in a lot of my pro-life talks about in Deuteronomy 21, there's a passage where God says, if you find a corpse that's in the land, okay, and you don't know who killed the person. He sets out this ritual. He says, call the priests in uh, and, 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 and gather around and pray, Lord, our eyes did not see this deed, our hands did not shed this blood. Forgive your people the guilt of innocent blood. Uh, and I always thought that was interesting because God is asking his people to pray for forgiveness for a sin they didn't commit. Because blood was shed on the land, and that's so important to God, and it should be so important to everyone living on that land. And then you think about abortion going on in our land, and it's like, okay, innocent blood is being shed, but this time we do know who's doing it. It's publicly advertised. We know the, 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 these abortion facilities, they exist. They're advertising their, their, their quote, services. And boy, do we need to be praying. Too many believers will say, well, abortion is wrong. Yes, I would never do it. Or at least I hope I would never be tempted to do it. But if somebody else is doing it, that's none of my business. But Scripture is telling us it is our business. It's our business if if if, if blood is being shed on the land to somehow intervene. We're not called to judge people, harass people, uh, uh we're not we're not it's not that we're against people it's that we are for the helpless we are for the innocent we are for the victims and um and we can't afford to say that it's none of our concern scripture makes it our concern so that's uh it's a, it's 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 important biblical teaching uh that intersects as you just said with this yeah. uh with this psalm Hmm. Any more thoughts from you, Pastor Eric? Well, I, I was just thinking about what he was saying, and I mean, it, you know, Father Frank, you could probably correct me on this because I'm not historically as confident on this, but, um, you know, the evangelical movement, from what I understand, until Roe v. Wade, really doesn't have a voice in the abortion. Like, we just don't talk about it. Right. Whereas the Catholic Church historically spoke about it. And so in some ways we are, uh, though we I have a lot of fervor, I think, as a group of people, um, tend to uh, 
be kind of newbies to this process, you know, the, in the sense of being in the movement and caring about it. And, um, and, the, and so there, and, and then we have some interesting political marryings that have made that, you know, in some ways hard, I think. But so I, just as I, I reflect upon that, I, I, I guess what I was thinking is just, you know, I, I do also experience that with people of, yes, abortion is wrong. Um, and there is a theological struggle with how am I to work in a world, um, and operate as an, as someone who cares and is engaged, um, in the evangelical world. Like we, we struggle with that and maybe it's cause we're kind of angsty in our way of being, but, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and I really enjoy the, um, you know, the partnership that has evolved, as you say, historically. Uh, I mean, now, you know, we have gotten uh, just a, a great unity going. And, uh, you know, I speak out a lot. I, 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 in my own travels and speaking, I would say probably a good 40 percent of my audiences are uh, are evangelical or, or denominationally mixed. Uh, groups simply because the movement has evolved in that way yeah. uh, that you just described. And so it's a beautiful coming together. Um, uh, and, and again, biblically based, you know, biblically based in, in love, uh, not in judgment, in mercy. I mean, the people who are, are doing the pregnancy center work, as, J, uh, as Jacob, you said at the beginning, are, 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 are so much a part of our audience here today. Um, they're exercising the mercy of God. They're, yeah. they're showing the compassion of God intervening for his people and we do the same thing for those who have had abortions um mercy triumphs over judgment you know we talked about the blood speaking out well as the letter to the hebrews tells us that the blood of christ speaks out even more eloquently and and it, it, it overcomes that 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 voice of judgment and it says no i want to reconcile you to the father i want to heal you the door is open now for forgiveness and peace and and so many people, you know, I think Pastor Eric, the the, I'm sure you see this too, that the unwillingness uh, that 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 many Christians might have to get involved in the fight, to get involved in the pro life movement, might be because sometimes they're looking at the movement as uh, a movement of judgment. You know, all oh, you people are, you know, you're condemning, yeah. you're condemning abortion, but 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 they see it as condemning them. And, and, and I always try to say to people, you know, we're not here to point fingers of condemnation. We're here to extend hands of mercy and of hope. The, the mission of the pro-life movement is to replace despair with hope. Uh, because as those who are involved in pregnancy work uh, listening to us now know very well, it's not freedom of choice that brings someone to the door of an abortion clinic. It's the feeling of having no freedom and no choice. It's the, it's the power of despair that brings them to the door of the clinic. We come along as agents of hope, as, as proclaimers of hope and say, Hey, you're not alone. You know, like the, this beautiful Psalm uh, 139 says, God is with you. And therefore we are with you. Yeah. Don't despair. Take our hand, take our help, have new hope, and let's do what's right for you and your baby. Yeah. I like that. So, um, so this last Friday, I was at the abortion clinic that's near, well, in my city, near actually about a mile, well, less than a mile from our, our church, uh, where Pastor Eric's a pastor. 
and I was there on the sidewalk praying, and the response, well, so out there on the sidewalk, uh, there's about three or four um, older ladies who do the rosaries on Friday mornings, and then there's about three other, three or four other people, probably evangelical, who were out there um, praying and holding some 40 days for life science right now. And, and then I was out there on the sidewalk, um, I started to pray and the response from the, uh, oh, and on the Planned Parenthood, um, parking lot area, they have five escorts, um, to escort women from their cars to the building. And then they have one security guard. And so, um, so I was out there praying and the response from one of the escorts was to play uh, death metal from their phone to like, you know, put their phone right in front of me and just play death metal. And, um, which is pretty much equivalent to satanic music from what I can tell. I don't know what they're saying because I can't understand a single word of the death metal, <laughs> but it seems like mm-hmm. it's satanic music. Um, but it just seems like it's, you know, about as clear as you can get between good and evil when it comes to like someone praying compared to playing death metal as a response. Like it doesn't seem like there's a gray zone in the middle. Um, and so it just seems like it's a pretty clear, distinct, um, pretty, pretty clear difference. Um, so what, I guess the next question that I have for the two of you would be, uh, or more of a, a request is please talk about something that crazy clinic leadership may find encouraging. So this is like a, a blank question, I mean, a blank check kind of question where you get to fill in how you want to respond. So. So we'll go to we'll go to you first, Pastor Eric. What what might you say that you think um, pregnancy clinic leadership teams might find encouraging? Um, what might you want to share? Well, I think I would just go back to the psalm, and I, I think being in ministry for twenty years and and working with people in a lot of hard places because that's what our church does. Um, there can be a lot of despair as the person who cares. And a lot of, um, I think what's interesting about this psalm is that there's a lot of introspection that's built into it. And I think my encouragement to people who are working and caring for people and hearing the hard stories and wanting to step into those and help and engage is there is a beauty in that God knows you and God knows them. And God is not powerless. Like We sometimes forget that we think that he is not but he doesn't actually have power. We think we have the power. And I think what's beautiful about being in places like Cans of Hope or in crisis pregnancy centers and working there is that you are standing with Jesus because that's exactly where Jesus is. And so, and he knows you and he knows them and he is actively working. And so you have this beautiful opportunity to watch that and join him in it because he cares deeply for those women way more than you do way, way more than you do. And he knows them and he knows how they were formed and he knows their stories of trauma and he knows, and he knows the stories of trauma of those little babies who are inside of them experiencing all of the trauma. And he, and so I think there is a, a, there is a peace that you can have an arrest in caring for people and that you don't have to carry their burdens, that you can actually allow Jesus to carry them and join him in, um, introducing people to him and and really bringing them out of a place of despair and into hope hopefully um and so i also think you're in a spot of the miraculous so you get this 
you get to see the miraculous because you have positioned yourself in a place where the miraculous can happen. And babies being born is miraculous in itself. So, right? Because I think this is the the hard part, you know, I think you struggle, people struggle is that it's easy for me to look at a little child who's suffering and have my heart turned, right? And, and want to engage. Um, and so, but babies in wombs are silent sufferers. And, and I think we, we forget it because of the way the fall has affected us. We, we easily disregard what we do not see. Um, and so I think you and the, and people who are in, in this, this part of the front line of the gospel are people who are speaking for the unseen and the unheard. And they're calling, they hope they're calling mothers and fathers to, to bring that into the light, to bring God's creation forward. So and God loves that and he's in it. So I, I think, I, I think my encouragement would just simply be, he is a powerful God. You open your mouth and the spirit will work. That's Amen. That's so true. And it's so much the experience of, uh, so many of these folks that work in the pregnancy centers, um, you know, I, I'd say too to to never underestimate the ambivalence that uh, a young mom and dad have when they approach uh, abortion or approach the abortion facility or come to the center saying, "Hey, we really think we need to have an abortion." There's so much ambivalence, and that ambivalence is 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 the open door to. Uh, their mind being changed and, and and enabling them to embrace life. It's so much so that, for example, I've had people that that have come to me uh, and said, hey, you know, I was I was uh, uh, scheduled my abortion. Um, but I didn't end up having it because on the way driving to the clinic, I got lost. I got lost and because they 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 made a couple of wrong turns. They said, OK, well, maybe that's that's maybe that means I shouldn't have this abortion. And they go ahead and have the child uh, or or someone will say, you know, I saw two or three people praying there or many, maybe 20 or 30 praying at that abortion facility. I didn't even stop my car. Because when I got up at that morning of my appointment, I said, Lord, if 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 you don't want me to do this, tell send somebody to tell me to stop. And that was the answer to their prayer. And those people standing there never knew that. They, their cars were driving by and, you know, they don't know who's in those cars. So they didn't even stop. And this happens repeatedly. Um, and uh, the ambivalence people have, we should never, the other side wants us to think, oh, you know, when a woman chooses to have an abortion, that's it. She's rock solid. You're not going to change her mind. She'll crawl over broken glass, you know, to get that abortion. So don't even bother setting up those laws to be obstacles in her way. This is not true at all. She's extremely ambivalent, and that's why the pregnancy center work is so powerful and yields so much good fruit. I'll tell you a little story. It just happened the other night. I was in Orlando, um, not far from where our office is, is headquartered, and uh, there was a big pregnancy center there that had its annual banquet, JMJ Pregnancy Services. I brought a special guest uh, to the banquet. She was a woman that JMJ Pregnancy Services served 28 years ago, because she was already in the waiting room of an abortion facility in this area. I was with a small group of people praying outside. She saw us all praying outside, and that gave her the courage to get up, 
and leave that waiting room, come out to the sidewalk, and she said, can you people help me? They said, yes. They brought her to the center. So six months later, she asked me to baptize the baby. She was a Catholic. And um, she kept in touch for all these 28 years since then. This was 1994. She kept in touch. So at the banquet the other night, she brought her daughter, who was saved that very day, and her daughter had her two daughters with her. And when the people at this banquet saw that mom, the daughter, and the two granddaughters, it was like, oh my goodness, the victory of life and the generational impact of the work that the pro-life pregnancy centers do right there before our eyes it was such a cause of joy. And, and I offer that as an encouragement to, mm. uh, to all of us to uh, continue doing this work. Hmm. That's really good. So I was I was at a retreat, a prayer retreat at a uh, St. David. It's in near Tucson, Arizona, and we were going out into the desert to listen to God and just write down everything that we said, and, and then write down what we heard to try and, well, essentially to try and identify God's voice. And one the one of the very first things that I heard on my very first prayer retreat like this was. I was talking to God about, you know, the beautiful rocks and the trees and the plants. And I said, I really like everything out here, God, except that noise on the highway. I sort of feel like that's me sometimes, sort of awkward and, you know, doesn't really fit in. And then God said, that noise on the highway represents, um, you know, every person in those cars is someone that I love. And I remember him saying that to me in my mind, like, you know, that the, the cars and that noise represents people that I love. And so that's, yeah, I just I was thinking about that when you were saying, you know, when someone's driving by and those people praying on the sidewalk don't know that that one, one of those people that God love that God loves might you know was planning on stopping, but they decided not to stop. People are out there praying. Yeah, God loves every single person. Yes, represented by that sort of awkward, not attractive highway noise. <laughs> so, yeah, um, so true. Um. All right. Well, so the next question, well, I guess we sort of answered the next one I was going to ask you guys about was the God fingerprint question. So I might, I might go ahead and roll into the next one, which is how might you encourage those who are serving women and men facing an unexpected pregnancy? What would you, how might you counsel someone if they were to be in your counseling room and facing that scenario? So, uh, Pastor Eric, how would you, would you like to go first? Sir, I mean, I, I think you're giving me a, I mean, considering that, I mean, you know many of the stories at the village already, Jake. Um, I, I think I don't necessarily get the single walked into my office, I don't know you, because that's not how our church works. Um, but I think the thing that the village has done, and we do it collectively instead of individually, is uh, as people come into our community and are in troubled spaces, our community mobilizes. So, you know, when you were talking to me about this interview, I was in the process of talking about to a mother about when she had her baby, was she going to live in my house? Oh, you know, where is the baby going to live? We were trying to figure that all out. I, I really don't 
because people in our church are watching this, I, I think I'll just leave it simply at, um, we really believe that all that it takes a village to raise a child, right? And, and, and all children that God brings into our purview, um, both unborn and born are our responsibility, not just the parents. And so we fight for their life and we fight for their continued development. And so I would, if I were in those kinds of conversations with someone in my office or someone in my living room, it's really, this is what God is inviting you into. And this is what God's community is willing to do to help you get there. Um, and, and this is our responsibility too. So, you know, and, and I take that you know, from the early church who spent their life, you know, wandering in the, the woods, getting babies, rescuing babies, fighting for life. That's why the early church grew so quickly is that they, they changed the, what life meant. Jesus changed it like pre-Jesus, life was nothing. I mean, outside of the Jewish community, you, life had no value historically. You just look at the way um, you uh, governments and societies were built, and then Jesus comes and dies and, and tells us our life is valuable. And we have to fight for people's lives because Jesus loves them. And so, you know, I just take that seriously. So that's where I'd be. My life, my home is not my stuff. Like it's yours. So how do I help you and care for you? So. Mm, that's beautiful. That's kind of where we're How about you, Father Frank? What are your, what are your thoughts on counseling and helping someone facing an unplanned pregnancy? Yes, you know, just like uh, Pastor Eric is saying, it's 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 like the words that summarize the gospel. God is saying to his people, I am with you. I am with you. And therefore, we are with you. We, the body of Christ. Uh, so to assure somebody who's thinking about abortion uh, that they are not alone is a key part of the message. Um, and that no abortion is necessary. It, it, it's not necessary neither for health reasons nor for social reasons. You know, one of the perspectives that helps people in these in these fearful moments is, you know, think you're not always going to feel the way you feel right now. You might feel terrible right now or ill-equipped right now to handle this child because you don't have the support of the father. That's, an, that's a, a, a common scenario. Or you don't have the support maybe of your own parents or you don't have the finances. But these are all circumstances that can change. These people can change. Other people can step up to the plate and help. In fact, we're telling them there are people ready to step up and help. Uh, so all these things can change. Here's what cannot change. If you have this baby killed, there's no way to undo that. You'll never get that child back. Um, no matter how deeply you feel you made a mistake, it cannot be reversed. And so think carefully about what can change and what cannot change. The other thing we have to help them understand is it's just some of the basic facts. You know, we can ask ask them questions like, has anybody told you, you know, how well developed your baby already is? Because a lot of them are coming in with this notion that, of course, the other side wants to indoctrinate everyone with that. Oh, well, you know, it's just a clump of cells. No, no, no actually, it's not. This baby already has a beating heart, arms and legs. Uh, and, you know, it's only only seven weeks into the pregnancy does a child have all the organ systems and thousands of body parts that we have as adults? And, and people don't don't even 
don't even have an, an, an understanding of that. Of course, it goes back to the psalm that we started with. We, you know, we in our modern science now uh, and embryology and what we know about the unborn child, we know better than anyone in, in history has ever known the meaning of these words. You, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I mean, the knitting together and the wonder of it are more known to us today in 2022 than ever in human history. Uh, so the development of this child, do they know? Have they seen the pictures, uh, uh, the videos of the developing child? Uh, we've got some fascinating, and I always try to show this to you know, moms, if, I've, if, they're, if they're in this situation, uh, we've got fascinating footage. And not ultrasound. We know ultrasound is very powerful. But I'm talking about direct video imaging of the unborn child. People can see it at uh, unborn.info. Uh, you can see that little heart beating um, five weeks into the pregnancy. You can see it. And, 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 and you see all kinds of other a beautiful, stunning footage. Um, and then finally, you know, the third part of this is what's going to happen to you if you have that abortion? We know because of so many who have been through it and share their stories. Uh, we have a project at Priests for Life and we collaborate with Anglicans for Life on this. It's called the Silent No More campaign. And I'm sure many listening have, have heard of it. Um, it's, it's, it's moms, dads, grandparents uh, who have lost children to abortion or grandchildren uh, speaking out, speaking out about the, what the experience was like for them. And if people would listen to these testimonies, that can be a, a, a big factor in counseling someone. You know, others have gone down this road before you. If you want to go down this road, please be aware of what you're likely to experience, the grief the intense devastation, devastation of relationships, devastation of one's own fertility, uh, physical as well as psychological and spiritual consequences. The testimonies of those in the Silent No More campaign are very, very important tools, and people can check that out at silentnomore.com and, and look at the testimonies, listen, watch them, and that can help counsel and dissuade many from making this, uh, this terrible mistake. Hmm. Running a pregnancy center can sometimes feel like a whirlwind, but you shouldn't feel alone. Patriot Insurance has been helping the pro-life community since 1989. They have your back so that you can focus on what matters most, saving the lives of babies and mothers. Shepherd, I shall not be in want. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie. 